Join me for part two of my conversation with Marika Humphreys. In this episode, Marika shares her personal experience as a caregiver and offers valuable advice for overcoming isolation and learning to ask for help. Whether you're caring for a partner, parent, or a loved one, this episode will provide you with some practical strategies to improve your resilience and enhance the quality of care you provide. This is the Executor Help Podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Edy. Building a support network is essential. So have you got any advice for caregivers who feel isolated or struggle to ask for help? And I think that's probably a probably a big problem for a lot of people. A friend of mine who I golf with, he just lost his uh, wife uh, this uh, past weekend. And I remember, you know, during the summer, you know, I would just ask, how is she doing? You know, he would struggle with just getting it out. But I guess the more he, you know, had the opportunity to talk, the more he would let out about how he was feeling. But, you know, I know he was also struggling to ask for help because he would talk about, you know, he was good at going to get the groceries, but he wasn't good at doing the laundry. He was good at this. He wasn't good at that. So I know he was struggling. Is it hard for caregivers to ask for help? I think so. I definitely struggled with it as well. Some people don't. And I think that's wonderful. For me, it was that I had been raised to be independent. And it was something I valued about, you know, in my life, I felt like, like I liked about my own self that I was independent and could solve problems on my own. However, when it came to this, so, you know, when our, you know, when our life took this turn that we didn't expect, and was overwhelming. I just felt like we should just be able to handle it on our own. You know, that's what independent, resilient people do. But it was bigger than that. And um, and it went on a lot longer as well. So for me, I did have to learn to ask for help. And what that meant was being willing to be vulnerable, because that was also what it felt like to ask for help. And I think that's what happens for a lot of us is we feel like we have to be vulnerable in order to ask for help. And it was through a coaching session that I came to see in my own mind, at least that when Pete, when other people ask for help, I actually think it's very courageous because being vulnerable requires courage. And so thinking about it that way, like I can be courageous um, really changed what, how I felt about vulnerability. Like it just made me realize actually vulnerability is a strength. That was, I had to get there, right? I, I got there through a coach's support, and, but that was, that was not something I did on my own. But I think that's why it's hard to ask for help is because we feel we, we don't want to feel vulnerable. However, it is through vulnerability that is how we connect with people. And I will say, I mean, in my experience, people were wonderful. And um, I know you had I, I listened to, I know you had a guest on your podcast uh, who is a grief coach. And I think she, she said it really well about, you know, what, how to offer help, you know, offer specific things like, let me help you with your laundry or let me bring you dinner, you know, as opposed to what do you need? Right. But I think on the receiving end for the caregiver, if people offer help, take them up on it. That's my biggest advice. 
because we we want to say like my reaction was oh no no I'm fine we'll be we'll be okay we'll figure it out you know it's so many people offered help and and I will say sometimes it did feel overwhelming so if someone offered something specific it was much easier for me to just say yes you know like let me bring you dinner okay what are the things I had I think the other thing that caregivers can do is if you do have a close somebody you're you know you're close with and comfortable talking to they can act as a proxy for you meaning they can organize help on your behalf like i had a friend who offered um she's like what do you need and she was a very close friend i've had since high school and i said you know i really like i need the house cleaned <laughs> and she hired a house cleaner and it was the best gift ever like best gift now i could not have asked that of me. I mean, you know, she asked me and I would not have said that to most people, but because, you know, we had a long, close relationship, but I think, um, but I do think like letting a close friend know, I really need help with the laundry and I, you know, can't manage to get to the grocery store, like specific things. And then having a friend or, or a family member, like a, you know, act as a proxy to organize help is another brilliant way to kind of, you know, not have to manage that on your own. And also not, it feels maybe less vulnerable to do that. But yeah, simply taking people up when they offer help is probably the, the simple easiest thing that the caregivers can do. So don't resist that offer. Exactly. Just say yes. Right. I know, I, I know you believe in the, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, the importance of caregiver coaches and therapists. What can caregivers expect from seeking professional support and, and can they find the right coach or therapist for their needs? Yeah, I was thinking about this question. Um, I think really support from a therapist or a coach, what makes that effective is the connection that you have with that person and if you feel connected to them. So, you know, there are lots of therapists that, may or may not specialize, but I don't know that that's necessarily important. It's it's the connection that you have that's going to, uh, you want to feel comfortable, right, to open up and be vulnerable in that setting. So that I think is what uh, is most important when you're looking for, for professional help from a therapist or a coach is finding someone that you connect with and being willing to shop around. Too, I I do think um, you know that if you aren't connected and maybe you don't realize that after a couple of sessions, you know, look for someone else because that's really the key piece. There is the connection and the relationship, and then you know the support. Just just having someone that you can talk to, judgment free, and uh, is is a huge. I mean, it's hugely helpful. Um, a lot when when. When I have consultations with people, a lot of the, when I ask them, how do you hope I can help you? A lot of them tell me just someone who understands what I'm going through and maybe can guide me through it, you know? So that is, I think, a really important piece. It can feel very isolating and lonely and often confusing. And you feel like you, you know, the things come up and you don't know how to balance your time and what's the right answer. And that's what a coach or a therapist can help you work through and find those answers 
for yourself because they're going to be different for everybody. It, well, when it comes to caregivers, they, they've they've got to find a way to strike a balance between caring for their loved one and then also taking care of themselves to ensure their own well-being and resilience. How do how how can someone who's you know got this tough job uh, do find that balance? I think the first step is acknowledging that you can have a balance. And what I mean by that is many caregivers, myself included, we end up just trying to do it all and just trying to take on more. Like my approach initially to supporting my husband was just to add more things on my to-do list. And I'm just like, you know, and again, I think you can do that for a period of time, but over time that led to burnout for me, you know, and really me ending up feeling miserable. So I think the first step to finding a balance is acknowledging that it's okay to have one and that most caregivers feel like everything has to be devoted to supporting their, 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 you know, their loved one. And again, that's just, ultimately it's just not sustainable. And it doesn't mean at periods of time, you're not solely focused on them, but for the bigger picture, you do, your life journey continues, you know? So regardless of what happens with your partner, your life journey also continues. So I think that's the first step, that there is a balance and it's your own. It's unique. There is no set perfect way. It depends on what requirements, you know, some people like one of my clients is a doctor. Or she, uh, so she's has a busy schedule and she has young kids, you know, and then somebody else is retired and has more time, you know, so that balance is going to look very different but that it's okay to have one and it's okay to make your own too. Like so many people feel like I should do this and I should do that. Well, ask yourself, what do you want to do? Because when we start doing things just out of obligation, it will lead to resentment and resentment is a terrible feeling. And then you feel guilty about it. And it's like this cascade of all these terrible things and you judge yourself, you know, but that it ultimately starts with this idea that, um, we ha we should do certain things as a caregiver, but but that is not true necessarily. Your loved one will benefit when you are happy and healthy. That's how you're going to care for them the most, the best, right? And most people don't want someone to you know run themselves into the ground for them. I mean, my husband would have never wanted that. He never wanted that of me, and I think most loving people don't want that of their caregiver, but yet that's what kind of caregivers tend to do. So I do think this is probably the single hardest thing that caregivers face is finding a balance that they can maintain. And the other thing is, I think that changes over time. It might be one thing, you know, and then something happens or partner's health declines or they're in the hospital and you have to change that up. You know, so I have, you have to be willing to be flexible and know that, you know, this is the answer for now and I can reevaluate when things change, you know, so it's, it's challenging. Have you got a story of how, how a caregiver um, improved their resilience and then was able to improve the quality of care they provided to their loved one? Yeah, I do for sure. Uh, you know, my, my own story is that when when we started 
getting coaching ourselves. And I say we, it was, so it was my late husband and I, we both started getting coaching at the time I had been feeling really tired and worn out and then also guilty. Um, I had been feeling very burned out in my career, but also stuck because I was the primary breadwinner. It was my job that provided the health insurance. So I had been feeling very much like a victim of my husband's cancer and then resentment about that. Um, very frustrated with it. And therefore I was very self-focused, um, as you can imagine, right? Our, our own misery keeps us occupied on ourselves, which I, I could recognize, but I also didn't really know what to do, you know? So when I started getting coaching support, I started getting coached and started learning things too, through, through that coaching program that we were in, I completely changed how I viewed my entire life. Um, and what I mean by that is for one, I had to really redecide that I wanted to stay in my job and I had felt trapped in it. I had felt like it was a, it was a job I, I initially loved, but again, just kind of had started to burn out in that, in that field. And again, I felt like I had no choice, but, but when I learned that I do have a choice, I definitely have a choice. And right now I am choosing, I mean, I, I came to see that I was choosing this job because it was a good job. I worked with great people. I had great support. We did get the insurance. It was a good paycheck. You know, there were lots of reasons why I was staying there. And once I realized that I am actually choosing to stay here, it, I didn't feel stuck anymore. And I actually went on to get a promotion and stayed there for several more years. Now I did eventually leave that career and become a coach. So, you know, the, the feelings I was feeling were valid. I was kind of, you know, not as excited about the field, but just changing my perspective about this job that I showed up to every single day was huge because I no longer felt like I'm trapped. I felt like, no, this is a choice I'm making and I'm making it for these reasons. But I had to get clear about that. You know, that was a process for me. Um, and the other thing that that coaching helped me do was stop trying to manage my husband's emotions. And because I, he would often get just angry, you know, and not so much at me, but just as cancer kind of took over his body and, you know, just impacted him. It was very frustrating. Um, as I'm sure that happens for a lot of people coping with, you know, just whatever is happening to their body. Um, but his anger was really hard to be around. And so I tried to like not upset him or tried to smooth things out in advance. So it didn't upset him. And you cannot, you cannot try to, you just simply can't you can't manage another person's emotions. Like it's just not possible. It's, it's, um, it's expected. I mean, to be your body is doing what it's doing and you, and there's nobody else to get mad with, but the caregiver, you know, the yeah. person who's, who's there and yeah. you know, rightfully or wrongfully, you're, yeah. the, you're the person you're going yeah. to be the one that's going to have to take all of it. It's, yes. it's, how, and, it's, it's how you manage it. Because you know where it's coming from. Yes. And that is, that is, that can be really challenging too, to separate, right? That they're expressing their emotions and however 
that comes up. For some people, it's outbursts in anger and frustration. Other people withdraw and shut down, you know, and any variation between. But yeah, the caregiver, the closest person to them is often either the brunt of it or sees it the most. And learning to separate yourself from their emotions, which is what I really had to do. And that was hard. But I, but it started with me learning that I was not responsible for his emotions and I, and I couldn't fix that, fix it for him. Like I couldn't fix his pain and him being in pain. And like, when I say pain, I'm more talking like emotional pain is okay because that is life, right? I can no more solve that for him than, you know, than he can for me. That's a job we have to do for ourselves. But when we get focused on somebody else's emotions, what we're not paying attention to is our own emotions. So caregivers often end up very linked to the emotions of their loved one. And it's very understandable. It just doesn't serve us because when we end up um, being anxious and overwhelmed and on edge, that's where I was. I was just kind of like on always on edge. When I'm on edge, I cannot be a calm, supportive, you know, person for my husband right? I'm equally, you know, wound up and that's not what he needed me to be. So, so when I started focusing on my own issues, which was like coming to terms with my job and my choice to, to go there every day and to do that job and learning to, that I can't fix his emotions, but instead I can only manage my own. I was able to be a better caregiver for him you know, like, because I was able to be more calm. We weren't uh, always just, you know, when he needed space, I could give him space like that, that, you know, ability to um, support him better came when I was taking care of myself and not ignoring, you know, essentially my own needs and my clients. I mean, it's, it's the same too. Um, you know, it's, it's overnight. You often like just, just the shift that they, that ignoring their own needs is not the solution, which we think it is, right? We think, oh, our needs aren't important. I just need to focus on them, but that's not the solution. It's really just ends up creating more problems down the line because we, we end up tired and burnt out and resentful too, you know, and that's where the resentment and then the guilt comes and it's, yeah. So that's what can really make a difference. You've been talking about your coaching business. Tell me a little bit about it and how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I work one-on-one uh, -on -one with people and I um, really work with, I do focus on people who are caring for a partner in some form. Um, the best way to get in touch with me is on my website, which is coachmarika.com or on Facebook at Coach Marika. Um, I do have a, Facebook support group for people who are caring for their partner. So that's what, you know, what about what about adult children that are caring for parents? Would you be able to help them as well? Yeah, I definitely anybody in the caregiving role, um, the the skills and the tools that I teach and the are really the same for any caregiver, um, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. And the reason I focus on um, caring for the partner is there are, there are aspects of that relationship that are unique. You know, when you go from somebody being your, you know, your, your partner to then the caregiver, it's that can affect your relationship, but that's true of 
of caring for a parent as well, right? It impacts your relationship. Um, yeah, I can see the difference in the dynamics. So in terms of your, you know, uh, a life partner or someone you love, um, you know, who you have a special relationship, the relationship you would have with your partner is going to be a different relationship that you would have with your, your mom or dad. And right. the caring, the caring for a partner is one thing. Caring for your mom and dad is well. That's mom and dad. You know, some kids will abandon them, and some kids will say, "You know what? That's mom and dad. They cared for me. Now it's my turn. You know, the circle of life. I'm going to take care of them." So I can yeah. see that maybe the dynamics would be different. You, you as a caregiver, you're still going to come up with the same problems in terms of you can't. Yes. Uh, you're going to need resilience. You're going to need uh, support. And you're going to need to, you know, to also take care of yourself so that you can be able to. Yes. Have them. Yeah. Yes. I think the solutions are the same. That's, that's, um, that's the way I see that. Yeah. The dynamics are different and they bring up different challenges, but the solutions are really the same. Like you just, like you just described. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here on the show, Marika Humphreys. Um, again, to find you, you just go to coachmarika.com. That's correct. Oh, yep. You'll be there to, uh, there's a plenty, there's plenty of great resources, great uh, blog posts, a lot of stuff to get a flavor of what you can add um, to help somebody. And I think what you do is angel work because not a lot of people will, you know, what you've gone through, you could see that you could help others and you see the benefit of helping others um, get through the really tough time because as a caregiver, it's, it's really hard. And uh, I've got a lot some friends that are going through it and um I feel for them. And what you're doing is, again, that's angel work. So I appreciate you for taking the time to be here. And hopefully we'll we'll do this down the road because as caregivers, there's a lot of aspects that need to be addressed and have conversations so people can learn more about how they can help not only themselves, but the people that they're caring for. So Marika Humphreys, once again, thank you for being here on the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davideady.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.